I'm not sure how the Pope would feel about being linked to a fictitious elephant with exceptional hearing. But I hope that if he ever heard this talk, he would end up being very pleased. I say that because the title of my homily today is Horton and the Holy Father. An odd combination, perhaps, but they are connected. I have to come up with a title for these because I post them on my blog, and you got to have a title for the post on the blog. I was going to call it The Pope and the Pachyderm, but I thought better of that one. In today's Gospel text from John chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as the gate. Now that may seem odd to some of us that Jesus would call himself a gate, but he does that here for a reason. He wants to make it very clear to us that he is the only way to the Father. He wants to make it crystal clear to us that he is the only source of the grace we need in our souls, the sanctifying grace we need in our souls to get into the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of Catholics need to hear that this weekend because there are many Catholics who dabble in other religions. It happens all the time. Even people who come to church on Sundays dabble in Buddhism and the like. Please hear this. As St. Peter said in Acts 4, there is no salvation in anyone else, for there is no other name in the whole world given to men by which we are to be saved. But Jesus also refers to himself here as the shepherd, the good shepherd. That's an image we're much more familiar with. This means that he's not only the way to heaven, He's also the one who leads us to heaven. And one of the ways that he leads us is by the truth that he speaks to us. If we follow his truth, we follow him, and we eventually end up in his kingdom. That's the way it's supposed to work. Follow the truth, follow Jesus, end up at the kingdom. But how exactly do we know what the truth is? Jesus says here in this text that his faithful sheep, quote, hear and recognize his voice. But how is that possible? How do we discern the voice of the Good Shepherd in the midst of the millions, and I mean millions, of other voices out there in the world that are begging for our allegiance? and our obedience every day? That is a crucial question, my brothers and sisters, because if Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, as well as the one who leads us there, then nothing less than heaven is at stake in all this. Makes a big difference which voice you follow on this earth. Well, in point of fact, the Good Shepherd can and the Good Shepherd does speak to us in many ways that we can recognize through the Scriptures. You've heard me say this before. Through the magisterium of the Church, the teaching office that he established in his Church. 
The Good Shepherd speaks to us through the Catechism. He speaks to us in the Mass. He sometimes speaks to us through the good people, the godly people in our lives. How many of us have heard the word clearly from a parent? Maybe even a spouse. Yes, God can speak to you through your spouse, believe it or not. He even speaks to us in the circumstances of daily living. Especially, I dare say, through our suffering. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He once wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences. But he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone. <laughs> and as we get older, we hear that megaphone more and more, don't we? So true. Now, some of those are obvious, right? It's not hard to believe, for example, that the Good Shepherd speaks to us in and through the Bible, since his words are right there in print for us to read. But some of the other ways the Lord speaks to us are not so obvious, and yet they are every bit as real. Going back for a second, one of the obvious ways that the Good Shepherd speaks to us and to the world, in addition to the sacred scriptures, the Bible, is through the Holy Father, the Pope, when he makes official declarations on matters of faith and morals. Remember, Jesus said to Peter and to the other apostles, He who hears you, hears me. I would ask you to keep that in mind this week when Pope Benedict XVI arrives in the United States for his very first pastoral visit to our country. He's been here before, but he was a cardinal back then. This is his first visit as Pope. Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, will be speaking to us this week through him. So we'd better listen. Especially when he challenges us. Now, I'm sure the Holy Father will, first of all, commend us for the many things that we do very well here in the United States, for the many acts of kindness and charity that people engage in here every single day. But he will also challenge us. You can be sure of that. He will challenge us in our love and in our commitment to the poor, in our love for the sick, in our love for the elderly, in our love for the unborn, and even, I dare say, in our love for the foreigners who come to live here in our country. Of course, let me warn you, most of the people in the secular media will do their very best to try to distract us from the Holy Father's message and ultimately from Jesus' message. And they'll do that, I'm sure, by trying to focus us on what a quote-unquote divisive figure Benedict XVI is. That's probably the term they will use as well. They will call him divisive. So be prepared. Get ready. Remember, you heard it here first. And let me tell you how it will all play out, at least in some segments of the media. 
They'll first of all tell us that John Paul II, whom most of them hated when he was going around this country and the world preaching on the sanctity of innocent human life. They hated him then, but all of a sudden for these people in the media, John Paul will become a hero. And they will tell us that he was this wonderful nice guy, which he was of course, who established good relations with people of other religions. But they will say this new character, Benedict, has set things back 500 years with the way he's antagonized Muslims and Jews and Protestants and just about everybody else on the planet. So they will use John Paul II as a tool to try to attack the present Holy Father. Then, of course, we will hear endless and endless things about how many Catholics disagree with the Pope. On all the crucial issues of the day, you know the list, abortion, contraception, gay marriage, married priests, etc., etc. We will probably even hear a few of them try to blame Benedict for the sex scandal of 2002, implying that he somehow approved of it. When in reality, he condemned it with unbelievably harsh language. At one point, calling molesting priests filth. And of course, they will fail to mention that if these bad priests had lived according to Benedict's teachings in the first place, there would have been no scandal to report at all. They'll leave that part out. Remember, my brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ speaks to us through human instruments like the Pope. But so does Satan. He has his mouthpieces as well, and many of them will be in action this coming week. You can bet the farm on it, or your house, or your car, or all three. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's as close as you'll ever get to a sure thing on this side of the grave. But what I really love about our Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, is this. Even when people tune out his obvious messengers like the Pope, even when they turn a deaf ear to the sacred scriptures, Jesus, our Good Shepherd, still manages, with his great power, to get his word out to his flock. And even to those lost souls out there that he wants to become part of his flock. That's the power of our God. And he does that, the Good Shepherd does, by touching people, even worldly people, with what's called actual grace and moving them to promote his truth in unexpected ways, sometimes when they don't even realize they're doing it. Take the people, for example, at 20th Century Fox. The men and the women in charge of that film company probably had no intention whatsoever of reminding America in 2008 that human life is sacred from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. They also probably had no intention whatsoever of promoting the teachings of Jesus Christ on forgiveness and mercy. <laughs> but that's exactly what they've done by putting good old Horton 
Dr. Seuss's lovable elephant on the silver screen. <laughs> I love it. By the way, if you have not seen Horton Hears a Who yet, make every effort to do it. And if you have young children or young grandchildren, make sure you take them with you so that you can discuss it with them afterward, so that you can discuss the meaning, the message with them afterward. Jesus Christ would want you to do that. I'm convinced of that fact. Now, for those in the congregation who might not be up on their Dr. Seuss stories, Horton is the only animal in the jungle, in the imaginary jungle of Newell, who is able to hear the cries of the who. I think it's because of his big ears or something like that. Now the Who's are little people, and I mean really little people, who live in a town called Whoville, which is located on, believe it or not, a speck of dust, which has deposited itself on a clover leaf. Obviously, Dr. Seuss had a very vivid imagination. This means that all those other animals in the jungle aren't able to see the Who's either. They can't hear them. They can't see them. So they come to the conclusion that they don't exist. The Who's beg Horton to protect them. And Horton does, even though he is ridiculed, even though he is called crazy, even though he is thrown into a cage for a time by Vlad Vladikov and the lunatic monkeys, the Wickersham brothers, and the sour kangaroo, all of whom are his persecutors. By the way, Horton would have understood completely the message of that second reading from 1 Peter, where Peter talks about suffering for doing good. He suffers terribly for doing what's good and right. And through it all, you see, he keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again. A person's a person, no matter how small. A person's a person, no matter how small. That is Horton's core philosophy. It's his reason for taking action to protect the Who's who live on this little speck of dust. It's the reason he's willing to be ridiculed and called names. It's the reason he allows himself to be caged up, locked up. By the way, in essence, isn't that precisely what the Catholic Church says in her teaching on the sanctity of human life? That a person's a person, no matter how small, even if they're the size of a little who from Whoville, even if they're the size of an embryo, isn't that what the Good Shepherd was getting at when he said, love your neighbor as yourself? A person's a person. Every person is your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Isn't that what the Good Shepherd was getting at when he told us the parable of the Good Samaritan? By gosh, it is. Well, fancy that. Isn't it wonderful, my brothers and sisters? I, I love this. You see, we've got all kinds of university professors out there, 
the high and the mighty of academia. We've got judges out there, public school officials out there, politicians out there who are doing all that they can do to silence the voice of the Good Shepherd in our culture. Jesus, get out of public life in America. We don't want you. We want nothing to do with what you say. Bye. And yet, somehow, his truth still goes forth. I love it. In this case, courtesy of a cartoon character named Horton, whose heart is even bigger than his elephant body. The voice of God, the voice of the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, is never completely silenced. Only fools think it is. There's even a beautiful lesson in this movie on forgiveness which illustrates magnificently the words of Jesus in the Gospels. When you go to see the film, pay very close attention to the interaction between Horton and that sour kangaroo at the very end. Might even bring a little tear to your eye. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. May the Lord give us all the grace today to keep our spiritual ears open all the time so that we will hear his voice, not only when it comes to us through the obvious sources like the Pope, but also when it comes to us through the unexpected sources, like Horton, the elephant. Or perhaps I should say, like when they come to us through Horton, the pro-life pachyderm.